Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Previously on Truth and Justice. Well, the first thing I want to do would be to see if we can get this lady and this boy that came forward as witnesses to see if they would take a polygraph about this, to see how reliable their information is, to see if that passes. If it does, in fact, come back as reliable information, and I think probably it will, the next person I would like to interview and talk to is her 18-year-old son she was looking for at the time, and see if he knows anything about this, because I think probably he will. I think that these people that witnessed this crime are not telling us everything they know about it. Telling us pieces of it, but not everything they know. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good people from around the world who want to make a difference. Engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. The only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. Today's episode is part two of Kenneth Gove's interview with psychic John Catchings. As a quick recap, last week we learned that Judy Gonzalez did not go to the police first. In fact, she first went to see Kenneth Gove. And furthermore, we learn that she was actually brought to Kenneth Gove by Ken's neighbor, Rosie Simons. And Rosie Simons is the mother of Ronnie Blackwell's girlfriend. We also learned in part one that Ken Gove, while reading the report or the affidavit written by Judy Gonzalez to the Dallas Police Department, he thought that statement was, and quote from the transcript, bull. He said that Judy Gonzalez never told him that Kia was dragged into a car, but rather there was a car there waiting for the offenders after Kia was murdered. Where we left off last week on page 11 of the transcripts, Catchings had finished asking a lot of questions and now was starting to give his opinions. We ended with Catchings telling Gove that he believed they needed to track down Ronnie Blackwell because he believes that Ronnie and his mother know more about the case than they're letting on. I think that these people that witness this crime are not telling us everything they know about it, telling us pieces of it, but not everything they know. Uh Uh-huh. And that, uh, my original scenario here, that there's something that she witnessed or saw that, uh, to her death, seems to be very reasonable. I think this boy to be involved. I think he would know exactly what happened to her and uh, who all's involved. I don't necessarily think that he himself did it, although I couldn't totally rule that out. But I think that uh, the boy being involved in it, 
So I think this whole thing should telling us about the, about the people that she saw dragging your wife down the street is not accurate. I think we'll ask her for a polygraph piece by piece of things that she witnessed. Did she see your wife? Yes, she saw her. Were there more than one person involved? Yes. Were there four white guys and a black guy dragging her down the street with a gag on? No, I don't think so. I think that the best lies are a piece of the truth. You can tell a piece of the truth, and then you don't tell the whole truth. In three and a half years, if what she's telling us, the piece of the truth, and that she maybe didn't exactly witness all the things that she's said that she witnessed, maybe witnessed some of it, maybe some of it she's getting secondhand from the boy. Uh, murder is a heavy for an 18-year-old kid to handle. And I think this boy has a history of running to Mama with all his troubles, and maybe he's in trouble. Mama has a history of coming to the rescue. Uh, the boy starts running around with this probably. If, if she thought uh, the boy had anything to do with it, I would have never thought she would have come forward if she's so protective. Well, if the boy would have been the one who's responsible having, uh, probably she would not have come forward. But the boy was there and witnessed this event. Or knew the people. Or knew the people in some such a way that he was like there, uh, something or in the process of purchasing something, or was in the company of people who had did this thing because she witnessed something else. He could have informed on them about something that would cause them problems. Uh, he's scared and worried, don't know what to do. He's going to go tell Mama about it. Uh-huh. And Mama's going to analyze over what she can say and what she can't say. She doesn't want to send her son to jail, but she's basically the kind of person who wants to do righteous and do what's right. So she... Uh, Troubled by this. Time goes by. She waits on the police to solve the case on there. And without her help, and that doesn't happen. And after a while, she eventually comes forward with the information that uh, is designed to give you some clues, may give you some comfort, but give you some kind of idea of something that happened to her. Uh, well, I... But not necessarily implicate her son. So he tells you a scenario that's believable. That's sort of like what happened, but not exactly what happened. And uh, I kind of think that probably what's involved here. If I were in investigating this case, I think what I would do would be to concentrate my efforts on this boy, this 18-year-old boy. Uh, I would think this guy is out and about and getting into stuff. Dope and breaking into people's houses and things of that sort. First one thing and then another. If I were to make a conscious effort to concentrate on him, I wouldn't think it would be too long before I could tell him, somewhere around town, sitting in an interview room with handcuffs on, with three or four things I'd been able to catch him doing, saying to him, let's make a deal. Uh-huh. You tell me what you know or you go to Huntsville, and we'll do it the easy way or the hard way. I think under those conditions, he might even talk to us about what he witnessed and saw. I think it's more accurate information. What we've got from this one, I think, is a loose end, beginning with the story but not the story. Just loose edge of it. Uh-huh. And the real story is coming from this boy. He's the one that saw something, even though I'm not sure that, they're, that that's what she's telling us, something that she actually witnessed herself or not. I think she witnessed parts of or some of the pieces of it, but I don't think she saw anybody dragging your wife down the street. I don't think even her would have drove by and not said anything, or not knocked the horn or not done anything under those kind of conditions. She's a real dingbat the two times I've talked to her. I don't think anybody's that dingy. I just don't well, believe I mean, that. I mean, but really. Uh, sees that. Of course, she's got this 12-year-old that backs her up 100%, you know. Mm-hmm. This nephew. But if they're saying these things because they're protecting her son, or to think they're saying these things in order to protect her son, because he's saying things to them like, Mom, I can't tell you who did this because I'd go to jail as an accessory to murder, and if uh, you tell what happened, then I'm going to be in jeopardy myself because they'll kill me. Then she could be trying to give you some information that's similar to what happened, but not exactly the truth. Um, 
and that the thing we have here is that she's truthful in general about what she's saying, but not in specifics of what she has to say. So if she were to take a polygraph, and that's on a piece-by-piece basis, she'd show deception on parts of it. Overall story is true, but the details are not. And you've already asked her, was her son involved, and asked if he witnessed any of it. Uh, and she probably ended up saying no. But probably show deception on that question, because her answer would be yes. Now she doesn't have to take the polygraph. No, that's the thing. I don't know whether she would. Ain't no way she'd take one, unless she had, I don't know, about... So far, she's the only one that's come through with information on the reward, but we'll have to be sure the information is good before she'll be, you know, considered. The bottom line here, if I were investigating this, you know, whatever works is what works. And what I think here is that we have an 18-year-old boy that has direct vital knowledge of what took place that night. That night, that morning, and the way to solve this case is to concentrate our efforts on him and his activities. Make a conscious effort to see if we can catch him doing some things that are illegal. Uh Uh-huh. The boy, uh, casing him talking into an interview room, and, uh, this is what we're looking at. And we can do this easy way or the hard way. And we can talk with a judge, have him go easy on you. We can talk to the judge, tell him you have information about a murder, and you want to help us, and maybe it be, uh, you. Let's go down a little way, and, uh, I think we'll put more stress and pressure on him. He can tell us some things that will help us, because we know, in fact, he was probably there. Yeah, when he talked to, she admits that she drove around the circle at least three times in hours looking for him because she knew, because she knew. She have any reason to believe that he would be in that area. That's right. Uh, Reason to believe that he would be there because it involved narcotics. Uh, Right. Uh, She's not going to drive down the road to go home and act like it never happened. If somebody's dragging a woman down the street, uh, that's not something that even she would have reacted to that way. They would have stopped her and called 911, and something would have happened. That part of the story is not true. No, I agree with you. That would be, uh, that would be the thing is we could get this boy caught up in some stuff enough that he would help us. And if the girl leaves, we could force him into taking the polygraph to prove he didn't know anything. And I'll bet that he does know something. The bottom line is, when you have a mystery, how do you solve it? And the key to solving this is that 18-year-old boy. Uh, squeeze him, and squeeze him hard enough. He'll tell us what we want to know, and that's the way to solve this case and the original scenario that she witnessed something that was going down, seemed curious and and tried to observe that seems to be accurate. But it cannot be anybody that's a major drug dealer involved, because major drug dealers carrying hard arms, that they would find something far better to, uh, you know, had to be young and inexperienced. Well, I tried to ask. I said, well, how old are the people? In their 20s, she thought. Between 20 and 30. The thing of it is, Ken, if you'll, uh, of what she said, uh, I think, uh, dragging her down the street, I don't believe anything. I absolutely don't believe that part's true at all. I believe that she knows about something that took place and she's trying to help us and she's, she's a good person. She's not involved in it herself, but she's protecting her son who is involved in it. So the people involved in it are people who are contemporaries of his, people his age. We're talking about 18-year-old kids and younger kids than that. And uh, we're talking about teenagers involved. I think you're right. And uh, we're talking about somebody here that felt threatened by her. And the only reason they would be threatened by her is because uh, she had the power to expose them in some way. And she could recognize a great number of kids that would be at school, of course, because she saw them every day in the lunchroom. And even if they thought she recognized them, that's the same thing. 
um, the feeling I get here is that she probably did witness something that was taking place and did act in some kind of manner where she was trying to observe something that was going down. Stopped and peeked around something or something of that sort and watch and got caught spying on something that was going down. There was more than just having jogged by at the right time in the wrong place. Assuming, uh, effort on her part, uh, to be doing some investigative work so the people who killed had reason to have fear of her. More so than just, well, I know that lady that just jogged by. There's more. They felt a serious and immediate threat. Not for someone who's not sure that they had been recognized, but somebody who's absolutely sure recognized and absolutely sure that she knows exactly what they were doing. They went over their crimes and things of that sort, uh, at the school, uh, that sort. This is uh, the first time anything like that's gone on. There have been, every once in a while, they did. Kids break in at night, but not not in the last year and a half. Uh, that morning pretty much has to be something there that she witnessed there. Now, where her body was found, how far is that from the school? Not real sure of the lay of the land here yet. I'm making this square, but it is square. Here's a school building down here, a quarter mile each way. Here's where I live back here. So she's walking in this direction, and that's that's the direction the guy down here saw her going. Sometimes she walked one, sometimes he saw her go by here three times. Okay, now the car was supposedly just going straight down through here. There's houses on this side, but they're backed up to the road, and their backyard. That's where this guy with his dog over here. In other words, the backyard faces the school. Yes, uh, the houses are on those sides, okay? And so supposedly the woman claimed, and I don't remember whether the car was parked here or the car was parked here, or she came down and saw there was nobody in the car, turned the corner, and saw these four people driving. Okay, now I'm not sure. And uh, she's quite sure, far down, because there are two gates, okay? Actually, it was three gates. If they were dragging her before this gate, they would have taken her in that gate, if that's uh, where they're going to go. But they weren't. She was down here at the second gate, and here she was laying right here, probably 10 foot inside on the grass right here. The guy with the dog, of course, remember, uh, the right place is over here. You have got uh, a grove or oak trees here. They've got them cut down at the bottom. Uh, pretty much makes this a relatively secluded area. Uh-huh. So we could have had people inside this oak grove in here doing all kinds of things that would pretty much be concealed from the population. Unless you were walking by, yes. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So if you were going to pick a rendezvous somewhere for drugs or something of that sort, they would be a great spot. 
Yeah, I don't think they normally would have been off the highway car because he used to park along here anyway. This is the place where you would see, oh, like Dallas Public Works, water utilities trucks, and people that wanted to goof off the last two hours of the afternoon. You know, they got their work done. They would come over here and just park over here. Uh-huh. Where's the security guard stay? Uh, security guard, I'm not sure. Uh, it would only be, he would only be around the building itself. I don't think there's security around the compound to my knowledge. So we're stationed over here to watch her come by three times? It wasn't the security guard that saw her. It was a custodian. Custodian? Hmm. Yeah, he was back over here. The um, uh, lunchroom and so forth out over here. Happened to see because he, you know, she had been there 12 years. Everybody was used to seeing her walk. The other gates on the other side of this property over here. It has gates all around. Walk-in gates. Now you've got some places that you've got, you've got a drive-in gate on this side. You've got some, you've got a bunch of drive-in gates down here in the parking lot south, back over here, walk-in gates over here. Now, as I say, I don't, please don't about things anyway. Uh, other than I heard that they, uh, searched the grove area to see if they could find any other weapon, another knife or whatever they didn't find anything in there. They claim they went up and down this road searching uh, the people. I didn't even get over to look at the area until a day and a half after it happened. Because I know you had a lot of things going on, uh, and it had already rained, but the claim the only place they saw blood, a big patch of blood, was here. Nobody said anything about seeing anything along here anywhere else. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, the second... Uh... Pardon? Um, that stuff in the road, uh, it's, uh, pertinent anyway. The dragging somebody down the road business, uh, took place. As far as I say, yeah. That claim dragging along the sidewalk, I don't know. The police didn't say anything to you at all about finding any other blood any place else. We don't know whether they did or not, because they got... Uh, they told me, wait a minute, wait a minute, though. He did tell me something without intending to. Yeah, he said something about... I'm talking about this, uh, and he said, yeah, that backs up what we already know, that she wasn't killed there, she was left there, well, because she died there, but I mean, he said she was stabbed somewhere else first, but he never told me what, where they thought, or what they thought. I agree that she was left there at that spot, and she may have been a final stab wound or two inflicted on her there. I think it's possible. But those stab wounds in her back took place someplace else, and that quite possibly was in that grove of trees. If there were in fact some transaction taking place over here on this street here, and she had witnessed this, she could have in fact come through those other gates into the trees herself to find out what was going on over there, or else she was curious and... She might have done the other thing. See, what she would do sometimes if there was, if there was where she was nervous, because I told her to be nervous, you know, you don't, you don't hardly even look at anybody's car when they're going by. They got a girlfriend over there parking. You don't worry about it or anything else. It's not none of your business. Now, she might have gone out here and saw something or got nervous, and then sometimes she would cut across like this, and they might have seen her cutting across and said, okay, now go after her because she did see something and might have jumped her there. That's true. She could have done like that too because she, unfortunately, my dear wife, was nosy as hell. That's what I think got her killed. And I think she looked or looked a little bit too hard, stopped, uh, nobody straight ahead is what I'm afraid. So this, uh, that poor told here about somebody walking down the street here, uh, taking place 
here, in fact, was probably an event that happened, somebody going down that street, something taking place there, but that wasn't your wife drugged down the sidewalk. There were, in fact, people going down that sidewalk. There was, in fact, something happening there, something that she probably witnessed, something that was responsible for her dying, but uh, it wasn't her being drugged on the sidewalk. Um, Heifer is her in those trees witnessing something taking place over there that on that sidewalk and being discovered and uh, attacked and stabbed and uh, then maybe making that far out of the trees and collapsing at the spot and eventually being found there. But uh, like I say, an investigator will approach this case. The only thing I can see that uh, you have no physical evidence. You've got, you've got no murder weapon except your own knife, which doesn't help us any. You've got no witness of anything that have come forward after this much time. And the only way we're going to be able to solve this case in a court of law, because knowing in your heart and proving to the court are two different things. Yeah. The only way you're going to be able to prove it in a court of law, I think, is to uh, be able to get someone who was there who witnessed this to be... Um, uh, other people, um, that's right. Uh, police say, oh, we hope that information is good. It's a lot easier to catch four people than one, which I guess is true if there are four people involved. There's no honor among thieves and criminals. People, I mean, what bad guys don't understand is someone that might be your very best buddy might stand and cover your back in a knife fight will not go to jail for you. Uh-huh. The difference between laying your life on the line for a friend and going to jail for them People who will die for you won't go to jail for you. Yeah. And criminals have a hard time understanding that until it's too late. But uh, I feel like probably this uh, boy is the way to go. Have they asked you to take a polygraph or anything of that sort so far? No, I'm kind of surprised they didn't. But they checked close enough to find out what all they knew was that I couldn't have done it myself. That doesn't mean I couldn't have hired somebody to do it. But no, nobody ever asked me to take a polygraph. Well, I think I might let our investigator with the Dallas Police Department hear the tape that we've got here and what I think about it. I think that uh, certainly at that point in time, I might uh, voluntarily, uh, these people without being willing to do anything they want them to do, to make them more than and totally confident more than you have absolutely nothing to do with this. Uh-huh. Because knowing how cops think, and I think like they do, the first reaction is going to be able to try and figure the kind of way you might have done it because of the matter in which she was killed. Because of the overkill effect, um, if they're not going to think it's you, they're going to think she had a boyfriend. And if they're not going to think she had a boyfriend, then they're going to think it's going to be a son. And uh, they're going to be looking for immediate investigative links that are close to her for this. Once all those things have been, been by um, uh, eliminated and uh, possibilities, then and only then do we start looking for somebody else. And I think it's time to look for somebody else. And I think the person to look at is this, this woman who came forward, her son. She's telling you part of the truth and not all the truth. And she wants to protect her son. And she wants to help. Uh, she feels bad and guilty and upset. And she's not sleeping good at night and that kind of stuff. Plus, the police are probably a week after it happened, called us and wanted to get skin samples and hair samples from my son and myself, which I thought, well, maybe they've got something as far as evidence is concerned. But they never backed. They never asked to do it. So whether they had something to compare it with or not, I don't know. Well, sometimes the police, when there's, they suspect something, will ask the things of that sort to see what kind of reaction they get from you. Yeah, well, go come ahead, you know, no problem with that. And uh, if they can make someone nervous or upset and cause them to make mistakes, that might be a viable way to uh, get you to do something that might help them. But uh, also, they're pretty um, here uh, since July and nothing's happened. 
And uh, what is it? Uh, the detective's name, Royster, uh, in December when he got this thing out, uh, he was saying, well, I think the information is so good that I think I can get, uh, what are these things that come on TV, Unsolved Mysteries or something like that, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've been on a couple of those things, and Crime Solvers, um, something like that. And I'm not sure any of this stuff about that Camaro is accurate. And I'm not sure if this stuff about the four guys walking down the street are accurate. And I'm definitely sure that the stuff about them dragging about your wife is not accurate. But I'm sure that can be that, um, that this boy is involved in this case. That he did, in fact, witness and perhaps participate in your wife's death. But probably just witnessed it. And that there was some kind of thing going on down there. And that your wife did become curious and snoop on it some. And that did, in fact, lead to her death. And she probably was stabbed in another location, probably somewhere in the trees, and probably then came to the position where she was eventually found. She was trying to get, uh, you know, using her last ounce of strength to get to where she could be found. Uh-huh. And uh, whoever inflicted this on her would probably have to have a lot of blood on them, on their own person. Because the um, coming out of there is going to be splattering or coming off a knife and blood running out of her, and it's going to be all over people. You think so? So somebody's got to go somewhere and clean up after it's over. I mean, other people know about this. Yeah. And unless you have someone who lives alone and has access to a shower half a block away, there's not an easy way that you can get down the street without somebody seeing you. So I think probably at this point he showed back up at home. He did have blood and stuff on him. Mother does know about it, and he tells a story that I was there, and this happened. What could I do? I'm just a kid, and I didn't want to get hurt myself. Yeah. And so he's not telling his mother the whole truth about things either. But she feels righteous and, and bad and worried and guilty and wants to help out, doesn't want to implicate her son. So I think what we'll do is if we're investigating this, what I would do if I was a police officer is I would go out and I would concentrate my efforts on this boy. This is not a good boy. He is up to no good. Enough time has gone by, he feels reasonably comfortable that everything cooling and he's okay. And by following him around for a week or so, I probably find four or five things that he was up to that he shouldn't be doing. And uh, once I had made me a couple of good cases against him, I'd say, okay, now, you know what, son? I want to know, and I've got some stuff that can cause you a lot of serious trouble. You help me, and I'll help you. You don't want to do that. Go sit down in Huntsville. And now we're getting in cahoots with the assistant DA somewhere, and she'll recommend scare the hell out of him. Of course, Mama's going to come to the rescue and... um attorneys involved and might or might not work but right now that's the best thing we've got going for it yeah i think you're right because without his help we're not going to solve this this is a, a somewhat streetwise but still relatively immature person and the longer we let this go by without putting him in a fear and jeopardy the more stronger he's going to get in his belief that if he keeps his mouth shut nothing bad is going to happen i think we might still could shake him right now um I don't think he would have been in favor of his mother forward in saying anything about this. I think he can make him believe that because his mother said these things that we were able to then uh, uh, put this together from what she had given us and know some things about this uh, enough to know that he was there. I think we can make him believe that she screwed up and got him caught. And I think that the uh, and I think that he would squirm on the hook and start telling us names and people that were there and I didn't do nothing. And I think that's probably the only way this is going to get solved. And I think we're looking at young people. Kids.
Well, I felt from day one it was young people. I tried to tell the cops that, oh, no, no, young people, you'll find out real quick. They'll tell on each other in the first week. Uh, uh, I don't believe that. No damn way. And also, I would be interested in this young guy. Anything that he might have to do involved gangs or things of that sort, any kind of activities that might give us some ideas of who his accomplices might be. Uh Uh-huh. Because I don't think it's going to be anything real complicated. He was out doing what he normally does, and she just happened to be in the right place at the wrong time. That's right. I think so, too. But uh, in order to get things rolling forward at a faster pace, you're going to have to do three things. You're going to have to convince the police that A, you didn't have anything to do with it personally, B, you didn't have anything to do with it or hire anybody to have it done, or C, your son didn't have anything to do with it, and uh, D, that she didn't have any boyfriends. If we can get those things eliminated, then I think we're going to have to move on to the next step. Now, they may, not being part of the investigation, what they've done or what they haven't done with you, I don't know. But until they get that done, they're going to do that first. I figured they'd give it up on me. Mm, They're going to slip a round peg into that hole because it fits in that hole. Once they determine that it absolutely does not, no way, no how, fit in that hole, then they will look for another direction. That's just cops being cops. That's the way the system works. And until we eliminate that thought from out of their mind, uh, they get pretty much hung up there. Now, if they believe this woman, and I think I believe parts of what she tells us, and I think if there's any way I could try to get her to take a polygraph, I might try to do that. Because what's his name? What did I say the guy's name up here? Royster? Uh-huh. He's got his name down here two or three times. He feels that's good information. That's the reason he's been, you know, he's waiting for the name out there. And he told me, yeah, I believe what she says. I believe what the kid says. Well, I believe parts of what they say. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I don't think, I don't hear anything in, I don't think he's looking at the family anymore. I'm sure he's, uh, I know he didn't, uh, I don't, I think. He wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't. Of course, uh, 65%, everything you have, something like this, it's family or home, whatever it is, yeah. Very seldom is there ever a crime, a lot of investigator, a link between the victim and the suspect. But, uh, you know, I want to see that there was some way I might could get this woman to take a polygraph. Now, I don't know if that's possible. She doesn't have to take one, but if I could get her to take one, that would certainly help us. And uh, that's the first thing I'd like to do. If I couldn't do that, then I compromise that boy and squeeze him, because I think if we squeeze him, he'll holler. Well, it looks like we convinced somebody to come forward. In order to be eligible for the reward, she would have to take it. That's it. To prove that the information that she gave us is something that she really, in fact, saw. That's possible. That might work. But I want you to take this back to Royster and let him hear what I have to say, and uh, tell him my phone numbers, and I will be more than happy to talk to him about it. And uh, let's go from here. I think this approach might work. Like I said, I can't guarantee anything. I'm not always right. Uh Uh-huh. But it's the way it feels to me. That's it. That's the entirety of Ken Gove's conversation with psychic John Catchings. Like I mentioned last week, a few months after having this conversation with Ken Gove, Catchings passed away. Throughout this interview... Catching gives us a lot of information, or a lot of his own opinions. As we discussed in this week's Friday follow-up, he certainly sounds a lot more like a profiler than a psychic, but I must say that I could absolutely track with his train of logic. Then I wonder how much information he actually had about the crime. 
From the sounds of it, he knew nothing coming in until Ken started talking to him, which means that he knew nothing about Ronnie Blackwell's background or the fact that he was involved in many criminal activities and continues to be to this day. I think that this episode will create a lot of discussion for this week's Friday follow-up. And in the meantime, next week, we're going to dive back into the police reports, the ones that weren't turned over to us by the district attorney's office, but the ones that were still contained in Dallas PD's files, and see what we've been missing for the last six months. Next week on Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Executive producer is Mike Bussing, and Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com. We'll thank Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Thank you to our transcription team, Desiree Dunn, Sarah Hoyt, and Sarah Mueller. And thank you to Chris Brinkley of SylviaConsultants.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website. Keep sending in your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can send new cases into cases at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like the Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at truthjusticepod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.